Support for this podcast comes from Arts Emerson, with Shakespeare's measure for measure in a ripped-from-the-headlines context that is as shocking as it is illuminating. Contemporary society and a political epic collide, revealing the truths of authority, love, and justice. Measure for Measure is a collaboration between London and Moscow, and presented in Russian with English subtitles running one week only. October 24th through 28th at the Emerson Cutler Majestic Theatre. Tickets at artsemerson.org. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Lexus Broadway in Boston, presenting the play that goes wrong. What would happen if Monty Python and Sherlock Holmes had an illegitimate Broadway baby? You'd get the award-winning The Play That Goes Wrong, coming to Boston direct from Broadway. HuffPost called it the funniest play Broadway has ever seen, and tons of fun for all ages. The Play That Goes Wrong, playing the Emerson Colonial Theater November 7th to 18th. Tickets and information at LexusBroadwayInBoston.com. Welcome to the Hamar High School Podcast with your host, Gilchrist Boyo, George Bacazzi, and Paul Muser. Let's have a show. All right, so to start things off today, we are, we are going to be talking about this lady that tried boarding a plane with a comfort squirrel. So, Gil, you want to tell us a bit about that? All right, so basically this story is about how, um, so if you, if you have a support animal, such as a dog or a cat or, you know, some other pet, and um, then in the past you are allowed to bring it to the plane, and obviously it's a support animal for a reason. So if you had, you know, if you happen to be blind and you're using a dog to walk, if you're using a dog, as, 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 if you're using an animal as a support animal, then you're allowed to use it. Mm-hmm. But the issue is that people started misusing that, and then it, it just all spiraled out of control. Yeah, and I mean, in general, like boarding a plane in a plane can be a very stressful event. We saw this with Dr. Ford. She actually didn't want to go to some of the con- congressional hearings or the, I mean, the Senate meetings because she didn't, she's afraid of going on the plane. For many, it's like a very scare, scary event and like, that's why I think emotional support animals can be very important, but it can also be abused, obviously. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, as we can see right now, and as of lately, I mean, it's really it's really not just this one example. We've seen it more and more lately. Like, people have just been abusing the system, and hence, like, this is, you know, I think what's really brought it up lately and, like, popped mm-hmm. up the story. So, basically, this lady tried bringing on a squirrel onto the plane. <laughs> kind of ridiculous because... So, first of all, I think most of the time when we talk about support animals on planes, we're thinking, what, dogs, maybe mm-hmm. cats, and we see some some crazy animals. But, I mean, a squirrel, I mean, I've never heard of someone having a pet squirrel. Because, I mean, also, um, when we're talking about support animals, this is usually, like, an animal that, you know, that you're used to and that, like, usually always, like, gives you comfort and stuff like that. So, I mean, a squirrel, you, so you're telling me this lady has a pet squirrel that, like, gives her comfort? I mean, well, that's, I mean, obviously, we can't judge that she has a squirrel. We have to respect that. But, no. <laughs> The issue is that she, so she, this was this happened in, in Orlando and um, Orlando police obviously they had to they had to remove the woman from the plane because she tried to board with the squirrel and as you know anyone would would, would assume um, squirrels are not allowed to be on the plane. I mean, so like, w- would, it, would you think it would be a good idea to bring a squirrel on a plane? Like who like who thought of that? Personally, I, I see squirrels as very jumpy animals yeah. and you know you know in a plane tight space. Personally, I would not like to have a plane, uh, a squirrel on the plane. But I think you know, if you feel like you need a squirrel, then <laughs> obviously. <laughs> I mean, especially that's considering, you want. especially considering, I mean, how we see them on the street, they're constantly jumping around. I'm scared from one when place I see to the squirrels, other, actually. and they're so scared of people. So I mean, I don't know how it would react with other people on the plane. So <laughs> I mean, my mindset is, you can do anything you want as long as it's not affecting others. I mean, you bring a squirrel on the plane, there's, you can't domesticate a squirrel, right? <laughs> yeah, it's not exactly. going to sit in one spot. You can have it in a cage. It's going to be going insane. Like they yeah. don't like being in cages. I mean, it's just like absurd. I mean. This lady, I, I, I don't know if she's joking or not, if this was, like, some sort of prank, but, yeah. like, it's I mean, right, to be honest, yeah. I'm not questioning her need for the squirrel. I'm questioning how appropriate how it is. Appropriate it is. That, yeah. That's it. I find that 
quite funny that you know someone would want to bring a squirrel on. I think that's dangerous. Um, don't squirrels have rabies? <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> I remember. Um, I think myself and George went to the park that, sometime yeah. in the summer. Yeah, and uh, George was trying to feed a squirrel. I was like, well, that's not a good idea. Uh, you know, no, that was that was my buddy Pierre. That was my buddy Pierre. But I mean, yeah. yeah so I mean, me and Gil were reluctant to do it because I mean, especially like squirrels these, have rabies. <laughs> these dirty squirrels in parks. I mean, definitely not a good idea to have them on. And mm. I mean, it's interesting how you mentioned that. Like, obviously, squirrels aren't an appropriate pet to bring on the plane. I mean, we've even seen dogs that haven't been appropriate to being on the plane because I think it was I think it was Delta Airlines they banned a whole breed of dogs I think they banned pit bulls from yeah. going on planes because of like an attack that occurred I mean, a 70 pound dog pit bulls like, are known to be dangerous animals they're known yeah. to be like attack animals and they're like it's very hard to domesticate a pit bull so that like you can be sure it's very safe I mean a lot of people don't want to insure pit bulls and they don't want to yeah. Do many things with pit bulls because it's very difficult. To but then you're comparing a pit bull to a squirrel as well. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, squirrel is definitely not very domestic. Yeah, but I, I don't have an issue with opinion. with her using the squirrel. You know, I think whatever you use, that's fine. Some people use snakes as um as personally. I don't like snakes, but yeah. some people use snakes as, as 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 I guess I guess therapy animals and animals that kind of help them get away from whatever they're going through. And I respect that, and that you you have to respect that. I think whatever you're going through, find a way to remedy it. But it's at, at some point, it's just not appropriate yeah. to have a squirrel on a plane. And I mean, on top of it, it's not like, okay, so let's say this lady really finds that this squirrel is going to help her through the plane. Fine. If she wants to think that, that's, <laughs> that's fine with her. But what I, I just, I can't, I can't get along with is just how she like refused to like, you know, right. just step away. Like, I, I don't understand that. Mm-hmm. That's completely, that's a matter of respect completely inappropriate. Yeah. Know, if they ask you, hey, we're going to ask you to get off the plane, then it's not, it's not your decision there to decide whether you leave or not. At that point, you would be, you know, you'd be going against the authority. So I think she should have done some better research. I bet there's some, you know, airlines that would have accept, accepted a squirrel. I don't think Frontier Airlines was one of them. So she should have, she should have respected that and just, you know, I guess backed off. I think you know that some animals, like, if you have a squirrel, like a squirrel? and it's truly <laughs> a support animal, yeah. you know that airline's not going to be used to it. You're you going to have to call ahead. Mm-hmm. You're going to have to see... Even some very like large people have a have a, like a, a trouble going on economy class planes because like people don't want like it's a just like so a lot of people have a problem with being next to a large person on a plane which yeah. I think is kind of unfair and it's 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 really bad for like the fat person right it's embarrassing and it, like you, you feel bad but you have to call ahead and you have to find a way to mm-hmm. like make it work I think this lady I mean. It's really hard for me to believe that she's not just like playing a practical like joke or something, right? I mean, mm, yeah. Like, do you see like a squirrel like jumps if you like walk near it? <laughs> if it feels the ground under it shaking, it's gonna go insane. The and, great scientist yeah. Paul Muser. <laughs> Paul Muser, have you done some research, Paul? After no, but... all the hours of research, but I mean, yeah, that's again. You have to keep in mind that whatever someone's going through, you have you have to accept that and remedy that. But a squirrel is not the right thing. Yeah, but and, um, you know the issue is that this doesn't just affect her. Right, the the flight was delayed for two hours. So yeah, I'm assuming exactly. right, and this happened in I think midweek. People flying, pe- most likely in people people not vacation, they they're, they're business people, and this is a massive inconvenience that no one wants to go through. You don't exactly. Go I mean, it really doesn't help your case. Mm-hmm. But I mean, back to what Paul was saying actually about you know like checking ahead of time and knowing. I mean, even for like a, a like you know your average support dog on a plane, even that's not really easy to do. I mean, okay, as of lately, I think obviously as as we see the system has been abused, mm-hmm. but still, I mean, there's a process you need to go through. So I mean, even on the website, the Frontiers policy reads: here's a quote: "We do not accept unusual or exotic animals." 
animals, including but not limited to rodents, reptiles, insects, hedgehogs, rabbits, sugar gliders, non-household birds, or improperly cleaned and or animals with foul It doesn't foul mention odor. squirrels. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, once the idea of a support animal even came to be, I mean, it just started degenerating. And so, like, now airlines are cracking down and, like, a lot of Rightfully airlines are updating so, I their mean, policies. And I think that's the right decision. Yeah. And now people need to, like, decide, right? If you want to go on a plane... You have to make sure that, like, what you're trying to bring onto that plane is legal. Just like you mm-hmm. can't bring a full thing of toothpaste, like, with you in your carry-on baggage, you can't bring a squirrel with you in your carry-on baggage. <laughs> Great comparison. <laughs> I mean, that's true, right? Like, the, you know, the, it's the TSA. They have, they're very strict on what you can bring on and what you can't. And I find it hard to – as Paul said, you cannot, bring on, you cannot bring a whole tube of toothpaste. Then there's no way you can just show up unannounced with a squirrel. And, and even Frontier Airlines. Yeah. So they're actually changing their policy to support – for support animals. So starting November 1st, airlines will only accept cats and dogs or dogs and each passenger is, is allowed one and they have, they have, to, um, they have to, to notify the airline 48 hours in advance. So, I mean, I would assume that's something you'd, that those precautions that you'd be going through before you bring on the, the you know, mm-hmm. you bring on, because I, I find it hard to believe that she, you know, she just spontaneously decided, you know what, I'm going to bring a squirrel along. <laughs> I feel yeah. like this, if, if this is something that she's been using for, you know, a certain amount of time, she even, I mean, God, God knows if she's already gotten away with it. I mean, yeah. we, we don't know that. And I interestingly, interestingly, you mentioned TSA and all that and how it's hard to get things through. I'm, if I'm, if I'm correct, I think from the video, what I recalled is that they stopped her as she was boarding. How did she get that far with the squirrel? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I think that's a real question for, for Frontier Airlines. That raises airlines. some other questions. How'd she get I through mean, the, all the lines of, right, you go to the, you, the reason why you have to get to the airport, you know, two hours before you fly is because you have to spend, you know, maybe an hour. Yeah, in, all the security in, in, in checks. Security. And to how'd go, the squirrel get through? That's a real question here. <laughs> and to go off of that, I mean, I, I, I'm like wondering how many people like who are bringing support animals onto the plane are just bringing animals that like it'd be more expensive for them to pay for them to like get a flight for their own animal, right? True. Or they just yeah. don't want to, like, put the put their dogs, like, on the bottom true. part of the plane. And they don't want to go through, like, all that hassle, so they say it's a support animal. I mean, yeah. I don't know how, like, how much that happens, but I'm wondering, like, if airlines really need to crack down on this and really, like, get some sort of, like, identification, some sort of way to guarantee that, like, these are really support animals. Because, really, the idea of support animals originally was, like, you're going to get a panic attack on the plane if you don't have it. So it's going to be less of an inconvenience for the airline if you bring the animal on, not more of an inconvenience. And a squirrel, obviously, is going to be more. Yeah, exactly. A bird, anything like that that's going to distract other people who are just trying to have a flight where they can maybe go to sleep or really get some work done. I mean, it's just overall a terrible idea. I mean, yeah, exactly. I mean, first of all, flights are already super uncomfortable. Just just like a whole, the whole thing is really a pain, I think. And just this thing on top of it is just... It, it sucks for the other people. I mean, that are also yeah, on the plane but, right I next mean, to you. you. Again, you have to look out for the for the, for the lady who was who ha- had to go through this. But it's just it's 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 not it's an unpleasant experience for both the passengers and the lady. And I mean, right? If she's, I assume she was traveling from you know from. Uh, you know, um, she was traveling in the continental United States, so she could have taken a train. Would have taken <laughs> substantially longer, yeah. but I think trains are a little bit more accepting to mm-hmm. to pets, and you know because they're on the ground. But planes are you know thirty five thousand feet above the ground. Yeah. So I personally do not want a squirrel on that plane. So you know? I mean, would you guys say that it's it's right for I mean all these you know airlines to be you know starting to crack down on this and I, making it more yeah, difficult to bring on? I mean, with, I definitely think that's right with anything you do, you have to right. have guidelines that protect everyone involved yeah. and. Squirrels, you know, for the for the erratic behavior that you know they show every time you walk by one, <laughs> and the fact that they might or might not have rabies. Yeah, 
and the fact that you show up un you know just like you show up un you know unannounced with, unannounced. A, with a scroll yeah it's an, it's an interesting entrance to make but <laughs> I don't think obviously you know Frontier Airlines did the right thing here I, I definitely stand behind them yeah and as I said I mean the idea of like the support animal it wasn't to really just bring your animal on the plane and go with him right it's not like an experience. It's so the airline doesn't have to deal with you having a panic attack. It's supposed to simplify the job of the airline. Yeah. And it's not. So, I mean, the airline's going to be like, we're really, like, going with all, like, this is bothering all the people on the plane. The people are having a worse experience because of your support animal. Why should they put up with that? I mean, it, it's, you, you can see it from the perspective of someone who wants to bring their support animal. But you can also see it from the perspective of an airline. They're That's probably true. losing money on this. If you have, you have a policy where there's going to be birds, it's just going to be like... A zoo in in the yeah. in, in, yeah. in the airplane like you, people don't want that. Yeah. yeah, that's very true. I mean, I see a squirrel in a plane. I'm not boarding that plane. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. Just like the lady. Just, just, just like, like the, the lady. Just like the lady. I'm not yeah. boarding that plane yeah. because you know when I see a, a squirrel out the street, I don't go. I near think the that's squirrel. just shocking. Like it, when you walk onto a plane and you see a squirrel. Yeah, that's I mean. that's the sign. And I mean, so. We do have reason to be questioning this because um, according to American Airlines from 2017 to 2018, from 2016 to 2017, the number of um, support animals jumped from 480,000 to 750,000. That's a crazy jump. That's that's, that's like just... a 57% increase. Yeah. That's a, that's a ridiculous number. Yeah. Probably the number of people who used support animals or had access to support animals went higher. I don't think it went up. You know, yeah. by half. And I mean, you know, actually, I was just thinking about this. It kind of sucks for people who really do have a need for support animals. Now the process is going to be more difficult for right? them to do. And some of them, who knows, like might even not be able to go through with it and get one. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I mean, first of all, you're inconveniencing the people like we talked. And then you're making it for, harder for people who actually like have a problem and need, I mean, need a I support animal. I don't want animal. it to be a zoo when I'm on the plane. I mean, that, that's just me. <laughs> I think we can all. Like, that's that. a nice yeah. criteria to have, you know. <laughs> I mean, yeah. yeah. All right. So I think we can wrap things up for that topic. And so here's the next one. Let's see if I can pronounce this right. So (laughs) gubernatorial candidate Jay Gonzalez's plan to invest in education and transportation. There we go. I got it. Fifth take. (laughs) Fifth try. Basically, his his plan involves, first of all, so taxing the wealthy. But we're going to go more into how he wants to tax the top 10 um, schools in mass that have the endowments over a billion dollars. All right. So I think we've all established at this point that college is expensive. Yeah. To make matters worse. Private colleges are expensive, and yeah. that so the, and the reason why um, private colleges become more expensive than mm-hmm. state colleges is because private colleges have more money but, to spend, and this money is 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 I guess is is categorized as an endowment. So an endowment is the money that the school it's basically the you know the school's bank account. It's what the school has to spend. Yeah, more or less, it's it's basically here's the definition from Investopedia: it, and the endowments represent money or other financial assets that are donated to universities or colleges and are meant to be invested to grow the the principal and provide additional income for future investing and expenditures so basically this is kind of like money they amass over time they get it from you know alumni uh, like donations here and there stuff like that and basically like these huge schools like harvard i mean i think what's the number for harvard i think they have endowments of over 37.1 billion Mm -hmm. it's really just an outrageous number and i mean they have their they have this huge amount of money and i mean I wouldn't say it's completely unreasonable because obviously, you know, this money goes into stuff. They help out students and stuff like that. But I mean, this is I mean, this is the reason why Gonzalez thinks it's reasonable to tax them. He thinks that, you know, they have all this money and maybe they're not using a lot of it. So instead of taxing, you know, the, the citizens, might as well tax these schools. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I definitely I think I agree with this. If it was any any university that's like trying to educate people. Right. I'd probably be against it, right? Because we want college to be as cheap as possible. These are the top 10 universities. It's the cream of the crop, right? Yeah. They're going to... 
they have a lot of money and really alumni really are what what's running the running the college they're donating that money back to the university even after they graduate huge amounts of money huge amounts I mean, ridiculous I, i've heard things like even people who haven't gone to the university someone like uh tata you know he's a car builder in india he gave 200 i think million dollars to harvard just in a year. It's crazy. I mean, right. and a lot of these people, you know, like you're mm-hmm. saying, Tata, someone like this, this uh, someone who didn't go to the school even, they also do it for, I mean, you know, recognition and just like being able to mm-hmm. say, I donated he got 200 a million. Name to after himself. Exactly. Right. All right. You so, go. you know, people, so people want to donate to this big schools. When you, if you donate money to the MIT endowment, to the Harvard endowment, that's good for your name. I mean, mm-hmm. I, the good thing about you want your name out there like that. And for example, MIT has an endowment of $16 billion. So in again, another right, gigantic and, number. I mean. It's a massive number. It's mm-hmm. a lot of money. In MIT only has um, 11,000, uh, only about 11,000 students. On the other hand, UMass Amherst only has 300 million. And the number of UMass Amherst, right, over 20,000. only oh, 300 20, million, around 330 million in endowments, that is. Right. So you, if, you, if you look at the, if you compare mm-hmm. the, the amount of students to the amount of money the school has, that's, yeah. that's unproportional. Now, keep in mind, UMass Amherst is a state school. Mm-hmm. And also that's why, um, what's that's it called? The reason we why would never Jay tax Gonzalez, them as and well. That's, and that's the reason why Jay Gonzalez wants to tax these big schools. His main goal is to tax these big schools. And then with the money he raises from that, they do end up, you know, to public school funding. So funding schools like UMass Amherst, UMass Boston, and other public schools in, in, in Massachusetts. Which are also, for the most part, cheaper than these top mm-hmm. ten universities. I mean, Harvard has recently, I mean, made it debt-free where it's not necessarily debt-free, but based off your income, you're going to pay less or more based off, like, the money your parents make. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, these schools like UMass Amherst, which have significantly less money than Harvard and MIT, for an, an average student living in the state, they're still paying significantly less than Harvard and MIT. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, there's the quality of education is probably lower. I mean, what what they're saying is, I mean, not even just quality of education, the funding is lower. The funding, right. The funding I mean, is you could say the quality of education because, you know, right, money almost equals better resources mm-hmm. every single time. Yeah. And again, I don't think anyone is against the big schools. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, Harvard, MIT, all the Ivies, right? Everyone, I mean, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a full supporter. I, they, the reason why they're top schools is because they provide numbers. They have good numbers. Mm-hmm. They have this money to spend it. But I think... Right, the small schools, like you know, or state schools, they provide to the mass majority of, mm-hmm. of the citizens in Massachusetts, all the high school students in Massachusetts. So I think they should be getting. They should. We should find a way to fund them more. Yeah. and a good way would be taxing these endowments, and, and not just um, colleges. Right, I mean, mm-hmm. middle school, high school. It's it's I mean, general public in many education. towns. Right, they're severely underfunded, and that's just because I mean, the. At the national level, not enough money is given, right? Which is supplemented by the town and it's supplemented yeah. by other places, right? Mm-hmm. And like fundraising, but they still need more money. And unless they have a really good fundraising program or very high taxes, I mean, the school yeah. isn't the highest quality that it can be or the the quality that like you'd expect or even want. Yeah. And I mean, we're experiencing this, I mean, quite personally, I would say with um, Belmont High School in our town. So basically, we have this... Um, we basically have this thing where we, we our school is running out of space, right? Mm-hmm. It's too small. There's too many kids going into it. So basically, there's plans to build a new school. Um, but here's the thing. Like, Belmont obviously doesn't have enough money to pay for it on its own. So it's going to tax, gonna tax the people. But that makes sense. But, I mean, there's some crazy, crazy numbers on these taxes. I mean, so mm-hmm. once again, you know, underfunded towns and all of that yeah, stuff. Yeah, and it's not even a matter of being – it doesn't always mean underfunded, but just, right, towns grow. And, you know, as, depending, on, like, depending on what town you live in – People are moving. People are moving around. So there's always need for more money. Yeah. And so the state needs to find a way 
to to get this money and it seems mm-hmm. like right and let's let's be honest here out of the you know 37 billion of of money that Harvard has laying around if the if this if uh, if the if this law passed and and um and they were taxed the 1.6% they'd only be spending 500 million in comparison to 37 billion that's almost nothing. Yeah. That's loose change. Mm-hmm. And so let's get a bit more into detail about the numbers of this tax. I, I promise it won't get too boring, though. <laughs> so basically, so we talked about Harvard's endowments of, of being like, you know, around $37.1 billion, that huge number. And um, I saw this online. So Harvard has operating expenses of around $4.9 billion. Um, and so basically, a tax of 1.6%, which is um, the tax he's proposing, 1.6% tax mm-hmm. on all these schools, would basically be around 500 million. So, I mean, for the 500 million really is not that much to, I mean, to the school compared to the, the numbers they have. That's the total number of endowments for UMass Amherst, right? E- even more. I mean, even that's, more than UMass Amherst. That's, so yeah. it's still a significant amount. I don't think. Oh, can, no, of course. No, it's a significant uh, amount, but with that much money that. coming from one school, yeah. mm-hmm. think about how much impact that could have. But Harvard also has a lot of different schools, right? They have theology business all these of other but still but this is harvard mm-hmm. as a whole they they do have the money and i, think I don't think they'll a, be closing anytime soon that's yeah. For yeah, sure. yeah right i don't yeah. think they'll be closing anytime soon but to harvard this might be loose change and correct I, I might be wrong about this it might be loose change but to you know for example the umass system this could be a difference yeah. maker yeah this could elevate them and i think it, it's going to benefit massachusetts as a whole if exactly. we have our you know level of education rise up a bit more and, and if there's a way we can fund this you know if i was a i don't if in my right now if i was a billionaire I wouldn't mind being taxed. I might be saying that because I'm not, but I wouldn't mind being taxed because yeah. right, if we ele- if we all elevate a bit, then life is getting better for almost everyone. Yeah, and so here's kind of a bit of uh, what Gonzalez plans to do with the money. So he claims that our education system and um, our transportation systems are broken. He's saying that, you know... Um, uh, a school system where kids are failing isn't a really successful one. And he's also saying our transportation system is broken. I think that we can also relate to quite personally. I mean, the transportation system is not all that great, especially, you know, there's crazy traffic in Boston. And I think it was rated one of the worst cities in America for, mm-hmm. for traffic. So, I mean, that's what and, he plans to put really the money run, into. And, and the subways, you know, they don't run right, these small renovations that we could need to make. Yeah, so there I mean, there's always improvement. There is need for this money. Yeah. There mm-hmm. is need for this money. And I feel like for the, you know, for the top schools... Right, it's gonna make a dent because money is money, mm-hmm. but the dent it makes is is so much less significant than the change it's gonna make. Yeah. Now, I mean, quite interestingly, so I mean, we seem to all be kind of agreeing here, but um, in a WGBH survey of like around a thousand Americans across the country, fifty percent fifty percent said they like were against the idea and didn't think it was good, but forty three percent supported it. Well, so. see, what I'd like to know about the survey is what did they tell them? Right? Did they tell them it'd be a one point six percent tax on only the top ten universities in Boston? Or did they tell them it would be a tax on the universities in Boston, which would be, right, if, if you see the fine nitty-gritty detail, if it's only the top 10 schools, right, and it's only 1.6%, I think that's not as bad as taxing every single school a more significant amount. Yeah, yeah. Right? I mean, obviously, I think, you know, we don't, we don't know exactly what the survey said, and I mean, that could obviously have had an impact. But still, I mean, we do see it uh, fairly split down the middle, and I think the main argument for the other side is, first of all, so this is a lot of money. Endowment money is money that goes to scholarships for students mm-hmm. and kid, kids like that. So, I mean, the, the main argument is just that why, why should the school be giving it to the state when, I mean, they could be putting it uh, into students, you I mean, know? Because the school, technically, they, they earn that money. They earn that money yeah. from, from their alumni, from their mm-hmm. donations. So the school has done something to earn that money, and they, you know, they do rightly own it. It's their money, yeah. right? We, we, you know, we can't really force them to give it to us unless, unless we tax them, obviously. But so it, it's hard to convince people to do that, but I think... It, 
at the at the end of the day, it benefits the 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 benefit is is, is it's it's a, it's a great impact and it affects a lot of people and it's gonna it's gonna benefit a lot of students. You know, we're gonna be done with high school. You know, hopefully in the next year and a half or something like yeah. that. And this would be this would be good. You know, if you're planning to go to a state school, definitely this funding would be would be a positive. And mm-hmm. it's not like what they're gonna spend the money on is gonna hurt Harvard, right? If they improve the transportation system. It's going to help every college around, right? I mean, obviously, spending money on other colleges' education or even high school or middle school, mm-hmm. it's not going to... Actually, Harvard will get better students, right? They'll get students that are better ready for... If the transportation for, system is better? I mean, Harvard is... It really, It's really like a win-win for Harvard. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, it's probably not as big a win, right, if they get taxed on it because they don't decide where that money goes. Of course. And obviously, they, if they could decide where it went, they'd probably spend they'd on something they need more. Mm-hmm. But it still doesn't hurt them. And so that's what I like. I think I'd be more bothered by them taxing the rich, even though, I mean, it's the rich, but they still want to keep their money, right? Mm -hmm. I'd be more bothered by them taxing the rich, by them taxing the top 10 universities. Yeah, that's true. Um, And also, I mean, I just think, you know, it's... It just makes sense, you know. It's where the money's at. It's clearly where the money's it's at where, with these and I, crazy I, numbers. So again, only as makes Paul sense, said, I coming from the rich, I'd be I mean, I'd be understand why people are more reluctant. But this, the schools that the money have, I mean, it, the, the endowments from donation from alumni, share the wealth. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> Any other time, you know, I would heavily disagree with that. You know, if you come up to me, share the wealth. Probably not. No, I'll thanks. try and help you out. I'll try and help you out. But you know, you can't always share the wealth. Yeah. But with with money that you know you earn from a donation and from alumni, you know, like you should be willing to share the wealth. And it's not like it's going. We're taking money from Harvard and taking it to I don't know building podcast studios, which would be great. <laughs> they should do that. No, but we're not. You know, it's not. It's not. It, they're very related. The the you know the where the money is coming from, the source of the money, and the use of the money very related. Education or education, and I, I think it'd be a great thing if if we could get that. We could talk to Jay Gonzalez later about the <laughs> podcasting studios. Yeah. I, I, I'll, I'll get back to you on that. Yeah. I, I think I'd be heavy support of you know mass podcasting studios <laughs> across Massachusetts. Yeah, for every Dunkin' Donuts, one podcasting. Studio. And slap yeah. that, slap that uh, humble, humble political <laughs> podcast right there. Again, as you just uh, George saying that uh, our new website is up www humblepodcast.org again that is mm-hmm. www.humblepodcasts that's with an s dot org three w's but three yeah. obviously <laughs> th- three, thank you Paul thank you Paul for that. <laughs> I needed help with that yeah. no but www.humblepodcasts with an s dot com you can find dot org in, actually. Oh, dot org actually because yeah. dot com is our old website we yeah. moved on Don't to dot visit org that one. yeah we're an organization now <laughs> so you can check out our other shows you know Humble Sports Podcast read a bit about us exactly um, you can check out the Humble Political Podcast the Power Supply our merchandise we dropped some new merch working on getting that <laughs> so it, it, it's it's i recommend it's not yeah, under, construction. Uh, under construction uh, yeah. under construction it should be <laughs> in, the, can, in the coming week it should be okay. yeah you, you can you can shoot us an email if you want to come in as a guest we're always looking for guests if you're interested so, in starting up your own show you can also contact us contact about that us, you know so yeah you can, you can always check that out but the podcasting studio idea i think we'll push that forward yeah <laughs> i think we'll be pushing that yeah, remind me to email mr gonzalez <laughs> later <laughs> mr gonzalez yeah. all right uh paul want to start us off on our, on our last topic today all right so our last topic for the day talks about like the tech industry and um so they want federal control over data privacy laws so recently a lot of states in america have been passing these laws where if there's a breach right they have 72 hours to tell the people who've been breached, their information has been breached. Or they've been setting up many other laws that are like limiting, I mean, companies like Facebook, Instagram, right? All these social media sites where you put your information in. They want to make sure the people who put their information in have safe information, right? Mm-hmm. Or at least know what's going on, what's happening with it. Now, these data companies, they want the federal government to control it. And the idea is that 
they want it to be uniform, and also maybe they think the federal government will be a bit more lenient. Yeah, mm-hmm. and so I mean, let's put you a bit into perspective here. I mean, you 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 may or may not know that um, we've been having issues. I mean, with security and, and social media and stuff like that. I mean, this isn't just coming out of nowhere. I think it was what last month Facebook had around like fifty million accounts compromised. Oof. That's I mean, that's crazy. That's ri- Actually, ridiculous. Because of the EU's new law, these the seventy two hours that they give, Facebook promptly had to tell the people. Your information has been breached. I mean, in the past, they could have kept it quiet. I think that's necessary yeah, that they're forced to talk about it now. I think that people know what's happening with their information. I mean, it looks bad on Facebook, obviously. Mm-hmm. And I mean, Facebook's... I mean, I think they're trying their best to <laughs> yeah. really make these breaches lower and really get back to... Where they were before, where they you know? were, what their source is, right? And it, it's it's seeing, I mean, your, what's happening in like in the world, but not necessarily just news, right? Mm-hmm. I think people should be informed of what's going on with their information, but the one big risk that you're when you when you tap that agree button without reading all you know all those pages, you're risking a lot. I mean, well, of, of the terms, they're there for a reason. When you put yourself out there, accidents happen. And you, you're putting yourself out there. You know, mm-hmm. some people don't have Facebook, like me, don't have Facebook for a certain reason. <laughs> I don't want my information out there. Yeah, you know, you're so like my you, dad, <laughs> right? You, you, I don't want my, my, you know, you know, I don't want my, my mother doesn't have Instagram, no, doesn't have Facebook because she doesn't want her information out there. So mm-hmm. you have to understand mm-hmm. that, right? If as much as the states and as much as you know, Facebook can inform you of this happening within 72 hours. By putting yourself online, mm-hmm. you are you are making yourself vulnerable. Yeah, you and know that. It should also, be something that you know. Yeah, I mean, and this is a whole other conversation, you know, the whole, like, social media and how it's bad for you. Ask ask Kanye about it. <laughs> <laughs> He's uh, doing well. Yeah, but and I, I think one of the main, you know, arguments or debates here is should we be doing something at a federal level? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, as, so right now, as we're seeing, you know, as Paul mentioned, we're seeing things on more of a state level, more on a more local level. But I mean, now, I mean, it's being brought up that should we do it on a, on a federal level, country, nationwide? No, I, I think it should. I think we should try and make as many laws on a federal level as possible. Because mm-hmm. I think by doing that, we're getting out of loopholes. Just like the, um, just like the, uh, the DACA, the, the topic that we talked about last week, the, the, you know, the, the way um, the Georgia and, and the DACA um, recipient yeah. um, state-funded state tuition. Just like that. I, I want everything to be on a, on a federal level because it's better for the citizen. It's better for everyone involved so that you don't have to be changing your law and you don't have to be adhering to different mm-hmm. laws in every state. Yeah. I'm not saying that you know yeah. all the state laws should be put all under federal, but for example, something like this technology that affects literally every, you know almost 90% of Americans, mm-hmm. I think we should try and put that mm-hmm. under federal law. I'm torn on this because what you see is federal law moves slower than state law, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. I mean, oftentimes when I'm, I'm looking up news, I like looking at state laws because you see, I mean, the crazy things happens on the state level. Yeah. I mean, the, the squirrels crazy... happen on the state level. <laughs> the squirrels. The crazy things yeah. happen on the state level. So what I think, like, what I mean is, if you put it to the federal level, I don't see anything happening anytime soon. Exactly. I don't see people doing anything. Yeah. And I mean, personally, I want the laws to happen. And so I think the state should start it and then see how it goes. And then mm-hmm. really the federal level could adopt it later. I agree. And uh, like, just to bounce off what Paul was saying, you know, all this technology, security and things like this, this is all happening so fast. This is, you know, changing basically every day. Mm-hmm. And so if we really want to rely for this to be on a federal level, I think, you know, we would just never be able to catch up, even though, you know, I think it would be more ideal to have this on a federal level. As you said, it would work better for the people and just for it to be more organized. But I, I don't know. I, I think it would be more difficult. I'm, I'm torn like Paul. 
I mean, with state level, I mean, they, they could be heavier lobbying. And some states could be people, that, depending on where you live, you could either be getting the better end of the stick or the, or, the, or, the, or the shorter end of the stick. And I don't, for something like technology, you know, I don't want someone in Maine finding mm. out that, you know, Facebook had a breach and me not finding out. and yeah. or, or Facebook not having to reveal that. In, if someone in, in, in Maine finds out, that's the thing. If the law happens in Maine or if the law happens in California, mm-hmm. if there's a breach and they have to tell everyone in Maine, they have to that, tell everyone in California. They have to tell everyone everywhere. Mm-hmm. And so that's one thing, though, which is almost unfair for Facebook. And if, if Maine or another state put up a very specific law that limited Facebook, I mean, they'd have to make a special version or they'd have to make many adjustments for the state of Maine. And that's a lot of work for them. That's the one issue I have with the state laws, right? Mm-hmm. If they say, like... Right, if they, if, they, if they just make rules that are very complex, mm-hmm. then Facebook has to change either everything mm-hmm. or just remain. And that's just much more work on them and much more yeah. work on a company in general. Mm-hmm. And kind of like uh, Gil was saying, you know, how, how an argument for the federal side, you know, I think that you also like it would be difficult to rely on every state, you know, to constantly be keeping up with this and, you know, catching up with, with technology and security. I think that's also an issue with, you know, leaving it up to every single state to do it on their I mean, own. That means you know? that every state is funding that funding, as well. Yeah, funding, that's true. You know, the whole creation of the law or in the bill, whatever the process that whatever that process is, the state has to every individual state has to do it while we just make one federal law, you know, make one fe- make, make it into federal law it that applies to everyone. It would be much more streamlined and it would work much more better if it's just on the federal level. Of course. My worry yeah. about the federal level is it's going to be too slow, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. They, they're always trying to catch up. They're never on pace. Mm-hmm. And so that's the issue with the federal level. I think if it if it were all on the federal level, it'd be much better. I think 20 years from now, right, mm-hmm. we'll have it all figured out, and it might be on the federal level. Probably but not. I think right now. Yeah, <laughs> probably not. I don't think 20 years is enough for us to figure things. it out. Uh, yeah. Growing pains. Slow. That's a good way to put it. Well, the <laughs> next two years, else. I don't think we'll be figuring anything out. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but that's the thing, you know. Uh, it's. I wish we could say, you know, in the next 20 years, we, we'll have this thing, whole, this whole thing you figured out. You can't say that just because of how technology is changing all the else, time. Right? Yeah. There'll, there'll be something else, you know. I mean, 20 years ago, did we really think? This was going to be an issue, you know. My inf- me putting my I wasn't allowed twenty online. years ago. <laughs> I wasn't allowed twenty twenty years ago, George. <laughs> oh, okay, you, you know you got I mean. the dates mixed up a you bit. You know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I think if I can give anyone a tip, uh, don't go on Facebook. That's all. Yeah. I think this solves everything. I don't, I don't think so. I think you have to be careful, right? If you just put. If all your information you're telling your whole life, right? When you're on vacation, like your social security number, probably something you shouldn't put up. Right. On if you have a public account on Facebook and you're writing about how you're on vacation yeah. and someone knows your address, mm-hmm. you can get robbed, right? There's obviously issues with Facebook, and you have to be very careful about what information you put on and who can see that information, right? And even if you put who can see that information, I don't think it's <laughs> it's still not secure. So you really yeah. gotta be careful with what you might put have on a data there. breach. Yeah. So, I mean, and you know what my problem is with Facebook? <laughs> I don't remember any of my passwords. <laughs> Oh, yeah, Joe's had for, trouble. For some reason, <laughs> here, let me tell you. I'm organized with all of my passwords, but for some reason, Facebook, I just, uh, I don't know. I <laughs> just you know, that's why keep I getting logged out. That's, you know, George has been running on Facebook. I don't run it because I can't have a Facebook. Hey, maybe my account's been breached, actually. <laughs> you know, you, who knows? You could be one of the, you know, 50, mm-hmm. million, 50 million people who have been, who have been, who, whose information has been, has yeah. been leaked out there. So, you know, I, Not again, quite it's, it's, a very, it's a very, I guess it's a very, you know, very bad way of looking at things. Mm-hmm. Good way to solve this. Don't have Facebook, you know. I still, I, I stand by yeah, that. You yeah. know? Don't have Facebook, and you could, af- you could avoid all this. You mm. know, I, you know, you could probably, could, you know, you want to see someone's pictures, you should ask them. Yeah. Hey, can you send me pictures of a vacation? It's probably a lot. I mean, more you'll probably be a happier person without social media, anyways. Yeah, I, mean, yeah. <laughs> I don't want to repeat myself too much, but really, it's just the information you put on that yeah. matters. If you have social media, 
I mean, I don't think you should be really checking it every day or like checking it every minute, right? But if you have it and you only put information that you, you don't care if anyone else knows or you don't care if everyone knows and that you just like want to share about your life, I don't think that's an issue. Yeah. It, I, I just don't. No, but yeah. the issue is right right now, something I put up, I might not care. Mm-hmm. But in the future, in, in the future, years, it might come it, back and bite years. you in the butt. It, you know? it might come, in, come come back and bite me. And so everyone mm-hmm. around me, what I put up, you know, among my friends and, you know, I guess my family, it might not be something that they're, you know, they're ticked off about or they're bothered about. But when I'm applying for a job interview in, I don't know, five years, <laughs> they might be like, hmm, that's, that's, that's interesting. Well, yeah. And I mean, we saw this. We found uh, this on your Facebook page. <laughs> we found yeah. this on your Facebook. Please explain this. Yeah. I don't want to have to deal with that. And yeah. we saw this happen to, I think it was last year, the, I think the, the, the beginning of the last school year, um, the Harvard students mm-hmm. with the... Two years the, ago. Yeah. Two years ago, right? Uh, sorry about my dates. Right, yeah. with, two years ago, with the Harvard students putting... Uh, stuff that they should not be putting up on Facebook in a yeah, Facebook definitely, group chat definitely. and then yeah. they ended up getting discontinued as students. Yeah, yeah they, completely right? ended up Many regretting it, I'm sure. Many of them actually got really rescinded. Their application well, yeah, got rescinded. They got rescinded. Harvard has that right, right? If, if, they, if they think you don't represent their values, if they think you don't represent what they want at their school, they can rescind your application Exactly. really up until like the moment you're in school and even after that, I mean, if something happens, they can still it's always up for grabs. Hey, I mean, if you're, you really got to be careful. If you're inter- if you're interviewing for the Humble Podcasting Network, and we just happen to find something, we will do extensive research, <laughs> especially on Facebook. Yeah. <laughs> if you don't have Facebook, uh, your application will be pushed forward. How are you going to check if you don't have a Facebook? Though? <laughs> uh, that's true. It'll be figured out. It'll be George figured will out. check that, but he might have forgotten his With password. With the account that I've gotten logged out of, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But that's that's interesting. It's it's interesting to see how. Um, I guess for once, it seems like the the big bad guys, you know, the big corporations, Facebook, and all these big companies, they're working to put laws to put federal um, to put laws in place that actually seem to benefit the people. Or it seems like it. <laughs> it seems like it. You know, it, that's what they're trying it, to make. It's it look never like, what it seems like. Yeah. That's the big thing here. This is what I'm thinking they're doing, right? They're putting up the laws. They're giving people the easy wins, right? The, the ones they want. <laughs> the small wins. The, the small laws, right? There's a law in California that's saying if their data gets breached, people can actually sue the company, right? Mm-hmm. Something along these lines. And so Facebook is thinking, if we put this on the federal level, and if we give people these small laws that tell them, oh, we have to tell you if there's a breach, or we have to tell you if there's something, Mm -hmm. right, they're not going to have any issues, but also they're not going to be bothered by these California laws, or these Maine laws, or these Mm -hmm. Alabama laws that are are cutting down on that. Because it does. The state law is going to be way more strict and and, and way harder on on Facebook than than federal laws are. Yeah, and I mean, I mean, I don't really, I'm not really sympathetic for Facebook, but I mean, it would also be more difficult for them to keep up with all these laws in each in each different. <laughs> I mean, state, I understand so. why George wouldn't be with a password thing. <laughs> yeah. Again, I think you should have, give them a call, yeah. have them deal with it. Yeah. No, but I mean, they're the big bad guy. I mean, they once again, you know, bad. that's and really the, the light that's been shining on them right now. I'm very skeptical that they, yeah. you know, they're putting a law that seems to benefit the people. It's never the case. I don't think it's the case this time. Yeah. I think it's a clickbait. You know, I mean, <laughs> I think it's a clickbait. <laughs> I think we're all getting clickbaited right. <laughs> we're all getting clickbaited by I Facebook. I saw what. Um, Mark Zuckerberg said, right? I mean, he he said, we're going to try and move away from news on Facebook. We're going to try and stay with your friends, even though we're losing Mm -hmm. money. I don't think that's because they're losing money. I think it's to save their PR because they think they can make more money with the whole fake news thing, you know. And obviously, I think maybe Mark Zuckerberg has real thoughts and he really wants to help the people. But I don't think that's necessarily why he's doing it or why his board of investors are doing it, right? They're always, it's always about the bottom line for a company. And granted, that's the right idea. You always got to think about the bottom line. Mm -hmm. And sometimes having good PR is best for the bottom line. And yeah. I think that's what Facebook's trying to do. They're trying their best to have the best PR that they can yeah. while still, um, I mean, persisting with, I mean, their practices. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but I, I guess we'll find out. I mean, I'm, I'm still a strong believer of staying off Facebook, and I will continue to do that. But hopefully we can see this 
I'd rather have it on a federal level, not to repeat ourselves, obviously. Yeah. Have it on a federal level and just not have mm. to deal with, with understate. But yeah. that's that's about it. I mean, have I convinced you guys not to go on Facebook yet? <laughs> I think you just might have. <laughs> well, the pastors might have too. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that has been it for our show. Thank you for joining us. Again, you can check us out at www.humblepodcast.com. Dot, dot org, org. You, dot got org. It. you got it org. you can check us out you can check out our other shows the humble sports podcast the humble political podcast and the power supply and you can check out our cool merch you know it's 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 good stuff mm-hmm. I recommend great material printed and designed in the US of course <laughs> that's a big selling point for us yeah. <laughs> so check us out and, and thank you for joining us yeah thank you Support for this podcast comes from Art Emerson, with Shakespeare's measure for measure in a ripped-from-the-headlines context that is as shocking as it is illuminating. Contemporary society and a political epic collide, revealing the truths of authority, love, and justice. Measure for Measure is a collaboration between London and Moscow, and presented in Russian with English subtitles running one week only. October 24th through 28th at the Emerson Cutler Majestic Theatre. Tickets at artsemerson.org. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Lexus Broadway in Boston. What would happen if Monty Python and Sherlock Holmes had a Broadway baby? You'd get the play that goes wrong. Playing the Emerson Colonial Theater November 7th to 18th. Tickets at LexusBroadwayInBoston.com.